one. Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf, the New York Knicks falling 122 to 115 on the road to the Los Angeles Lakers, but an all time RJ Barrett performance in the midst of another heartbreaking loss. Yeah, and that's where we're going to start this episode talking about RJ Barrett taking the challenge of guarding LeBron, of, of being the alpha in this game for the Knicks as he has been much recently. And then we're going to go over a general recap of the game, including why Julius Randle looked fantastic in this game. And finally, we'll just end off with some miscellaneous notes from the game, including why Emmanuel quickly maybe didn't get a fair shake in this one. Next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, in case you didn't know. And if you don't know at this point, you've been living under a rock. We are now on YouTube and we have been doing really, really well there. Thank you guys so much for pushing us over 1,000 subscribers. Let's, uh, Let's make it 2,000. Um, and today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, you might be asking, who's talking to you? I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the greatest Knicks website out there, the Strickland. And yeah, this is Locked On Knicks, and we are getting into a loss to the Los Angeles Lakers, a game Alex the Knicks controlled. Uh, for much of the night, the Lakers came back. Uh, But that is not where we are going to start. We're going to start with R.J. Barrett, who had 36 points, eight boards, five assists, a fantastic uh, statistic from our friend Derek over at R.J. Barrett Stats. Uh, R.J. now has more 30-plus point games in 2022 than he did in the entirety of his career, which was 157 games up until the start of the new year. So pretty ridiculous run for R.J., but... First things first, Alex, a pretty ridiculous night for him in L.A. Yeah, I mean, they hit a new career high. That's obviously impressive in its own right. But I thought the most impressive thing of this game was that R.J. really took the challenge and said, hey, LeBron James is a game-time decision. He's going to play. All right, sounds good. I'm going to take LeBron then. And I want to, I want to, you know, defend him. I want to be defended by him. I want, you know, every bit of LeBron that I can get in this game. And he really took it upon himself of trying to stick to LeBron. And I was telling you before the show, like I'm sure some people would say, Oh, well, that really didn't work out well. Like I saw, I think, uh, Stefan Bonnie, he didn't, he didn't write it like scathingly or anything, but like wrote something to the effect of like, you know, RJ Barrett wanted to, you know, have a, a lesson. And he like really got taken to school by LeBron James. And that's somewhat true. I mean, obviously LeBron had a great game, like 29 points, 13 boards, 10 assists, 13 to 24 shooting. But, like, I thought RJ did a pretty good job against him, even on the defensive end. Uh, You know, I I thought that there was really something to be said for how he, you know, used his body to kind of keep LeBron in check in many ways. And, you know, 
it, there's only so much you can do when you play against one of the top two, three best players of all time to ever play the sport. Uh, even at his advanced age, LeBron is still putting on. I mean, he, before he got hurt recently, he was having one of the best stretches of the last few seasons for him, which is saying something. Um, you know, I, I think the RJ just did a really great job as far as embracing the challenge and really going after LeBron and and trying to make something happen. And then on the offensive end, I mean, what more can you say? Like he just he came out so dominant in that first half. I think he ended with twenty one points or twenty three. It was over twenty uh, in the first half, and the Knicks just had a dominant half on their own, uh, tallying seventy one points in the the first half. Obviously, the third quarter of Doom kind of did them in, but RJ still kind of kept things going in the third quarter, too, at six points there. I mean, he was the one consistent thing that the Knicks had going on in this game. And lately, you know, you might find some people that naysay a bit and say that his shooting percentages are not quite where you want them to be yet, stuff like that. But lately, he has been the one surefire consistent thing about the Knicks is that you can count on RJ Barrett to come out there and really act and and play as if he is the number one option on this team at this point. And what's nice, which we'll talk about in the next segment, is that Julius Randle finally seems to be sort of uh, embracing that and embracing the freedom that that then grants him. But it, this is just the latest example of RJ just really stepping up to the challenge. And I loved everything that we saw out of him, including just some jaw-droppingly uh, uh, technically sound moves that he made, which I'm sure that you're about to get into because you were the – the play-by-play uh, recollection maestro here. You, you know me too well, Alex. That, that is exactly what I wanted to do. Um, I, I just thought, I mean, just such a complete game for RJ, right? We always talk about, like, we see all these different flashes, but it's like, all right, can he, can he put it all together? Can he have, like, a complete meal? Like, sometimes it's the appetizer, sometimes it's the entree, sometimes it's the dessert. Uh, tonight we got we got three courses and it was it was pretty incredible um, and and just just the improvement. I mean, him starting off the game with the corner three, like right there, that was a shot that he hasn't been able to make all season up until the last 15 or so games um, in the past that I, I always felt he had a tendency to kind of force things in transition that again, when, when I say the past, I don't mean as a rookie, I mean, literally like 20 games ago, he, he would have a two on one and he would try to force up a dunk or he would pass it too late and get the ball pit um, second or third possession of the game uh, ran the floor um, and then pivoted out against LeBron instead of trying to force a shot over him and just hit Evan Fournier for a three. Um, and just in general, I think the pace of this game really invigorated him. And then as we've seen with RJ, again, in recent history, once he gets going, he develops that confidence. And all of a sudden, like you, you're seeing this insane repertoire of him, like like the post up on Russ where he spun one way and spun another. When I saw it live, I thought it was a travel. You see the replay like, no, he kept that pivot put down perfectly. Um, he had this sick bounce pass to Julius Randle where he threw the ball. I have almost never seen anyone do this in an NBA game. He threw the ball extra hard off the floor. It was almost like someone trying to bounce the ball into the basket in horse. Um, and it just went cascading into the air over the arm of Anthony Davis into the waiting hands of Julius Randle to draw a foul. Uh, favorite move of the game that he had was that reverse spin move on Stanley Johnson. If, if you forgot it, what it looked like live or you missed the game, I'd highly encourage you to go check it out. It was just so, so compact. Um, and then at the end of the game, that coast to coast dunk off the miss from Russell Westbrook. And we always, uh, Alex, you and I would lament like, all right, like RJ's, he's a good athlete, but when he goes up against a Ben Simmons or, I mean, much less a Giannis, like it's clear that he's in a different weight class. I feel like he's not quite on that tier yet, but against most of the NBA, he just looks pretty dominant athletically going coast to coast because you, you typically do not get dunks in the final minute of a close game. I mean, poor defense by the Lakers, which is ridiculous athleticism for RJ. And then the three to send the game into OT. This is a guy who's just 
is finding his way into bigger and bigger moments. And you could look at the shot he hit against the Celtics and say, all right, that was, that was sort of luck, right? But when it's starting to happen over and over and over again, he's just starting to feel like one of those guys who has a knack for making those types of plays. And that's what I wanted to ask you about next, Alex. I mean, I, I think the answer is pretty obvious, but has this stretch for RJ, these 17 games in 2022, changed your opinion of him in, in sort of a big picture sense? Because to me, I mean, athletically, he looks different. And just from a confidence perspective, he, he looks a lot different. Well, let me let me answer that pretty uh, succinctly, right? The thing that I just looked up was I, I wanted to remind myself about the time that Kobe Bryant went up against Michael Jordan early in his career. And I, I looked up the date and everything. It was uh, uh, Bulls won the game 104 to 83 uh, back in 1997. One of the first like real big games between those two. Jordan had 36, Kobe had 33, you know, and, and Kobe was 19 at the time. So obviously younger than, than RJ is at the moment. But I, you know, I think that, I think that this was one of those moments for RJ where he's, it, this is like a coming of age type game uh, as much as, you know, they lost it, which Kobe lost that game against Jordan too. You know, sometimes you lose to the best, the best player that's been the best player for the last 10 plus years, you know? Uh, but I think that he is really starting to turn a corner. He's starting to realize himself, you know, I, there must have really been something to all that reporting earlier this season about him being sick with something for like a month, whatever it was, the stomach bug, whatever, followed, of course, by the, the COVID absence, because what we're seeing out of him now is just a month plus long sample of that really hot, like three, four games that he had before he came down with that like first bug, whatever it was. And I, I it is really starting to change my perception of his ceiling. I'm starting to really think like this might be for real. I I, I think that I don't think it's hyperbole now at this point to say that I, I can envision all-star appearances for him now. And you know, even if things really break right, like potentially like all NBA someday, like if he keeps going at the rate that he's going right now, which you know is is to say a great defender who's willing to take on the challenge of guarding the best guy on the other team and someone who could come in and, and go blow for blow with that guy, you know, score 30 points and has the ice in his veins now to twice this season hit last second shots, one to win the game against the Celtics. And now this one to send it to overtime. Uh, I, I I'm really starting to, to reconsider things and I'm starting to have a hard time putting a cap on, on where RJ can go at this point. Yeah, and, and the Lakers, we always we always talk about, like, can he do it against the better defenses? Um, I mean, Anthony Davis was, was there for the Lakers, and RJ was – not that – I don't think AD's moving, like, quite at peak speeds yet, but RJ was repeatedly torturing Anthony Davis um, and, and getting blow-bys on him. And, and that, to me, was, was like a real sign. Like, I mean, to your point that he was sick earlier this year, like, the athleticism is, is there at a level I've never seen it from RJ previously. Over his last 15 games now – 22 points, six boards, three assists, 43% from the field, 40% from three. Um, we'll see if he can keep it up the rest of the season, but I think we're watching someone ascend, and, and sometimes you don't quite notice it because he still has those stinker games in there. But when you when you look at the bigger picture and you start getting a large enough sample size, you're like, all right, this is something we just haven't seen from him. Previously, maybe he's just adding a couple more built Bars to the diet, Alex. It could, it could be that simple. Yeah, well, you know, RJ clearly has not given up on his New Year's resolution to get better. And, you know, typically around this time of year, it's when I and a lot of people end up giving up on those New Year's resolutions, but not this year. 
I'm going to stick to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually love eating Built Bars. And I got to ask you guys, if you've tried Built Bars before, have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the best Built Bars out there. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're a fan favorite. They have some incredible flavors like the yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow. You guys already know I love that one. And banana cream pie. They're all so good. They're going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% chocolate as well, including Puffs. And it's 100% real chocolate. Just got to stress that. And they are all low-calorie, high-protein. You can replace your candy bars with Puffs. They're better. Typical candy bar could be anywhere from two to 300 calories, whereas Built Bars are going to come in at around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know, uh, I don't know how they manage to do it, but they do manage to pull it off. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We want to thank you guys once again for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day. And the NBA trade deadline is this Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. And the Locked On NBA podcast will be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd from down under to get analysis of every every analysis of every blockbuster move. I screwed it up because I had to do the Australian accent. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live. And maybe if the Knicks make some moves, we'll be on there too, talking live on that Locked On NBA YouTube show. Uh, so, Gavin, I, I think we could kind of dive into the the general game recap now at this point, which is obviously a lot less gr- glamorous than the RJ part um i will say julius randall had himself a fantastic game and i really thought that he and rj this was one of their best like symbiosis games that they've had uh in recent memory or maybe ever uh julius with 32 points 16 boards seven assists two blocks uh shot 50 percent pretty much across the board and eight to ten from the free throw line which is a welcome change uh i i really like julius's game in this uh i thought that he you know they were commenting on the espn broadcast you know, obviously Mike Breen knows Julius better than most uh, and, and was saying, you know, Randall hasn't really been playing with with effort all that consistently this year. And and, you know, he's really showing it a lot more in this game. And, uh, you know, th- this is like a revelation for him. And this is, you know, more how he has to play. And it's more how he played last year. And I couldn't agree more. The unfortunate thing was that the Knicks fell prey to another third quarter of doom and really let their foot off the gas in the third after getting almost 20 point lead in the first half. They let that slip away, eventually lost the lead. And then we're in that position where RJ had to tie the game going to overtime and then just sort of ran out of steam, unfortunately. Yeah. I feel like with Julius Randall, I, I put this out there on Twitter, but he, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is, but I feel like he generally either misunderstands his own success or, or chooses to ignore his own success, which might even be the more more damning assessment of the situation. But he was a guy who, frankly, dominated the start of this game on the floor with, to your point, LeBron James, a top 10 player of all time, Anthony Davis on track to be a top 50 or so player of all time, R.J. Barrett, who was scorching the nets. And, and there was a case that 
Julius over the course of the first half was maybe the best guy on the court because he was he was doing what LeBron normally does. He was controlling the the pace and the trajectory and the feel of a game. Like it was all sort of warping around him with how he how he played with pace and like how he repeatedly like got rebounds and and, and pushed off of misses and was setting screens. And I mean, I mean, he had a two-way play that I couldn't have even imagined him making earlier this year where he destroyed a Russell Westbrook layup, ran the floor hard. And, and trusted that he was going to be rewarded for that effort. And then RJ like hit him on, on a little dump off and he, he got a layup um, off of it. And, and and then as the second quarter went on, he was able to like get into his bag a little bit and get isolation buckets, but they were coming within the flow of the offense, right? Like he, he did a great job on one play. Um, it was Quentin Grimes. He did not have a very good game, but it's already, I think, because he's been a fantastic shooter, respected for a shot in the NBA. Grimes was coming around him for a little dribble handoff and, and Randall faked it. And it sort of froze Trevor Ariza for a sec. And then Randall went right into Ariza's body, uh, got a floater. I mean, a flat out on, on a different play. Like, like this is him doing the little things like knocked out Austin Reeves on a screen, like hit a, hit a three pointer, but it wasn't him ISOing into a step back. It was with the pick and pop. Right. So he's all that success playing team basketball and any like sane person would say, all right, that's amazing. You're doing great. Just keep it up. That's all you have to do. And in the second half, he's like, it's like something clicks in his head where he's like, oh, I'm hot. That means it's Julius time. I got to take two dribbles and, and do a step back. Or I got to bump into Russell Westbrook and do a turnaround. And he's he can't be that guy anymore. He could be that guy last season because he was shooting insanely well. But he can't do that this season. And, and, and to his credit, like, I thought he figured things out, like, late in the fourth quarter. And he made some really good effort plays, like, had a great pass to Fournier. Um, for a corner three that made the game 110 to 106. Like he, he did some good stuff down the, the closing minutes of, of this game. But the Knicks lost this game, to your point, in that third quarter run. And it was, to some extent, on Julius Isoing. I think there are other factors that play there, Alex, but I, I want to hear your thoughts on it before I get into that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think that in the third quarter, he really didn't play well. And the Knicks offense kind of ground to a halt. And that has a lot to do with him. And, and as you said, you know, at his best, he kind of does what LeBron does. And, and that's what he did all of last year, you know, the the controlling the the tempo. And, you know, the Knicks were really at their best when they when they were running in this game. You know, he and RJ were getting out in transition together. He was, you know, throwing it down the floor to RJ for, you know, a, a nice layup or dunk or whatever. And, you know, RJ was kind of doing the same thing. And and those two work great off each other in those situations. But I think I've made this analogy before this this year. Like, we've seen a number of times where the Knicks get a big lead in the first half and then just completely throw it away in the third. And it's almost like they're a football team that's like, you know, they, they switch to the run too early. You know, they start trying to burn clock in the third quarter. And it's like, no, this, this is still a game. Like, you're still facing LeBron James. And... Anthony Davis and, you know, the Malik Monk who can shoot the lights out as they learned in that third quarter when he scored 21 freaking points in the third quarter and like absolutely torched them. You know, it's like you can't let let off the gas and in, in the NBA and just expect that to, to work out for you. And that's one of those unfortunate pitfalls of Julius this year is that he tends to do that. And his version of letting off the gas is like falling into just doing ISOs and stuff and being like, this is good enough. You know, if I, I'll just score, it'll be fine, you know, and, and that's it. And that's just how we're going to do it the rest of the way out. And that's, you know, but then you look at it and you're just like, you know, to your point, it's almost like he just forgets about like, he's like blind to the things that are working for him. 
and the things that are, you know, that make fans love him and, and, you know, make his coaches love him and everything else and just sort of falls into his worst possible habits at the worst possible times. So uh, I'm totally with you on that. Um, and it's, you know, it's disappointing to see stretches like that, especially when he bookended, you know, he, he, he had a fantastic first half and then honestly closed the game out great too in the fourth quarter. And it's like, well, why couldn't you just have extended that mindset for another, you know, 12 minutes in the third quarter? And and I don't get it sometimes with him, but it, it is definitely the frustrating part of the Julius Randle experience this year. And and I guess very quickly, in defense of Julius Randle, like there are times where the Knicks offense just bogs down and, and, and him going iso ball sort of becomes the one option. And when you're not playing defense, I mean, and that's on Julius, but that's also on the whole team. Like you're not, you're just not going to get out in transition as much. Right. And it's also, it's hard to play a full game with that kind of pace and energy when so much of create, so much of the creation responsibility falls on Julius. It's hard to do that when you don't have a real point guard who you can say, all right, like you can get me an easy bucket just by running pick and roll. And it feels weird to say that when Kemba Walker's on the team, but for whatever reason, again, it just hasn't worked out with him this year. So it's not, it's not all on Julius. Like like he's in a hard situation to play like that consistently, but he has to maintain the mindset when it's going well and when it's not going well. And I think that that's the biggest thing is just, is just consistency in terms of his approach and if he's, if he's consistent in the right approach, uh, the results will ultimately be more consistent um, over a long amount of time. But Alex, uh, let's take let, let's uh, let's tell everyone what we have coming next. We're going to wrap this thing up, guys. Going player to player, we're going to talk Kemba Walker. Uh, maybe being in a little bit too long. Emmanuel quickly only getting five minutes, whether or not that was unfair. Hint, hint. It was, um, and, and an assortment of other points on an assortment of other Knicks. But first. Bet Online has you covered this season more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a couple of weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates of current games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Alex. Uh, we we can we we we've talked about Julius Randle. We've talked R.J. Barrett. There's a whole world of Knicks we haven't touched on yet. Where do where do you want to go as we we start wrapping this thing up? Uh, I think I'll actually start on Emmanuel quickly. You know, you teased it a second ago, but I I was annoyed with how this game went for him. And like I understand, you know, he hasn't been playing his best lately. Uh, he has been shooting the best, you know, but. Uh, Largely, this team plays better with him out there. And they, I mean, I guess this sort of, there's no way to talk about quickly without also talking about Kemba too, right? Like Kemba just, it, it just doesn't work. It, it doesn't work with him. I'm, I'm so excited for Thursday at this point because I just can't wait for this saga to be over pretty much, which is, you know, we've acknowledged a million times. It's sad that we're at this point where, you know, we were like so excited over the summer, like, Oh man, this is cool. They got Kemba on like a pretty solid deal. It's team friendly. Like, you know, if he comes back, it could be like 80% of what he once was. Like, this is going to be a huge coup for the Knicks and, you know, be way better than Alfred Payton and blah, blah, blah. The reality is, it's just like he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit in the scheme. He doesn't fit on either end of the ball because they don't want him to be running the offense. They want Julius and RJ to be running the offense. And that renders Kemba largely useless because he can't really do much off ball. You know, he made one spot up three pointer in this game and then maybe like took, I think, I think all four of his threes were 
spot ups, but I could be wrong about that. But you know, it, it just it's like, what do you? What's the point here when he can't defend his way out of a wet paper bag? I mean, he was a large part of why Malik Monk went so nuts in the third quarter was because that smartly they did they put Fournier on Westbrook which was a good move because I think the Fournier was a good defender to match up against him. You know, Westbrook isn't quite the speed demon that he used to be. And Fournier is big enough and strong enough to sort of contain him. And I thought he did a great job. Westbrook had a terrible game. Uh, so that strategically worked great, but then, you know, you have to hide Kemba on somebody and it's getting really old, you know, just having to constantly hide this guy. And it's, it's no fun, especially when he's not contributing anything on the offensive end. Meanwhile, Emmanuel quickly, I mean, he had a he had a rough stretch. He played five minutes in the first half, and you know, he got burned by Austin Reeves a couple times, the the new resident scrappy white kid uh Alex Caruso replacement on the Lakers this year. You know, he he like you know managed to just not have a great five minutes, you know, with with Reeves and you know, with his own looks and all that stuff, and wasn't looking too good. But then he gets punished by Tibbs to the tune of not playing the whole second half. And Kemba ends up with 24 minutes total in this game. And I'm just like, what's the point? You know, is this a showcase type thing? Because what are you showcasing with Kemba? He, he looks terrible. And you're playing him in just a horrendous role right now. Like, if you really want to showcase Kemba, the strategy would be come up with a mystery ailment for Randall and or RJ for, like, one game. Be like, hey, these guys are sitting because, like, they're you know, their ankles hurt or whatever and sit them for a game. Let Kemba have one more time to go out there and run the show and be like, Hey, this could be off your bench for 15 minutes a game. And that's that, but they're not even putting him in positions where it would look good to say to teams like, Hey, look, this guy can still play. So I just don't get the point of the experiment anymore. And it's really annoying the double standards that are held on this team, even for a guy that Tibbs literally scapegoated earlier this season and benched like for a 10 game stretch or whatever, and only brought him back because, you know, COVID kind of forced his hand, Uh, you know, to then turn around and be giving this guy 25 minutes and quickly only five. I just thought it was terrible. And I'm tired of those double standards and I'm really looking forward to like, again, as sad as it is based off everything we were hoping for. I'm, I'm very excited for the Kemba Walker, Kemba Walker saga to end. So we can start seeing more manual quickly soon. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the nuts part. It's just that quickly is just even when he's not playing well offensively, and to your point, even when he's a little foul happy like he was this game, just such a massive upgrade defensively over Kemba. And I know he hasn't been shooting well, but a much better orchestrator and much more of a threat. And especially early in the third quarter, I think the Knicks would have won this game if they had inserted Emmanuel quickly because they needed some of that just like speed and like freneticism and activity. And they were just so dead on both ends and, and quickly. If nothing else, like I was talking about how Julius's approach is inconsistent. IQ's approach is the most consistent o- along with Obi Toppin, maybe even more so than Obi Toppin of anyone on this team. Like he's, he's always sprinting around. He's, he's, you're always getting his best effort. And I think that tends to rub off on the other guys of the court. And that's why the Knicks tend to be better when he's on the court. So I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. I, I thought that decision probably cost the Knicks this game. Um, and that's, that is an absolute shame. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is the last guy that I really like you, you go through the box court like no one else had like a really great game I thought I thought Evan Fournier very quickly did did some good things in this game he had the back-breaking uh, save off, off the Taylor Horton Tucker jump ball tip that led to a LeBron dunk that spelled the beginning of the end for the Knicks in this game in overtime but 
Um, great shooting early on, great effort. Uh, even if he didn't finish shooting all that well from the field, just five for 14, I thought a solid Evan Fournier game. But I want to shout out Mitchell Robinson, 30 minutes, four points, 11 boards, three steals. At times, he just kind of got big boyed by AD. But I, I agree. I thought Jeff Van Gundy said it on the broadcast, and I, I was in total agreement with him. I, I just thought he played his ass off. Like he, he was working so, so hard on both ends of the floor. And, and he's a guy who, like early in his career, I, I would notice like little moments where he'd pout a little bit when he had a clear mismatch or was wide open. And like rightfully, like he was upset he didn't get the ball. I think he just has come to accept that on this team in this situation and, and partially due to the fact that he hasn't developed any kind of offensive game, that that's not, he's always going to be a distant fifth option when he's on the court, but he doesn't let that affect the effort that he brings and the relentlessness on both ends and, and just physically being able to hold up in, in, in what's a Lakers team that even without Dwight Howard tonight, even with DeAndre Jordan playing only a couple minutes and being a shell of himself, like they, they bring some force going to the rim. And I thought Mitch, did everything he possibly could to hold up uh, despite that. Yeah, I thought Mitch did a good job too. And, you know, I guess he's sort of another one of the cases, like kind of low-key in this game where I was like, I it just didn't feel right, like the amount of time that he played. You know what I mean? I Maybe I'm overreacting or something, but like he played 30 minutes in this game, which was the lowest of any starter not named Kemba. And to your point, like, yeah, I thought he did a really good job. He really played his butt off. He was – but one of the only guys with like a resounding plus minus in this game, he was a plus eight when he was on the floor. Conversely, Nerlens Noel was terrible in this game. Once again, I mean, I still think that there was a clear turning point for Noel recently where he sort of came down weird on that knee that, that's been hurt and was questionable to return in that game. And then suddenly, voila, he can't play again. And, and it just looks terrible. I really think that if the Knicks intend on keeping him, unless they're showcasing him for a trade too, like they need to shut him down for a little bit and say, look, like get healthy and then we'll bring you back in for like the stretch run here. Maybe concurrent with when we bring, bring back D Rose or something, you know, bring you back and really try to make this push for the final part of the season. But like he's, he's not much use right now with how he's playing because he's just, he, he doesn't seem to, his timings off. He seems reluctant to like, you know, make the sort of like lateral moves that he does to be like the steel maestro that he is. Um, and then, you know, he's it, just his block timing doesn't seem as good. Like he's not as good at getting himself in front of the guy and, and really going for the block. It seems like he's always a half step short and coming up, you know, a, a full hand length short of getting the block on a guy. And, you know, meanwhile, Mitch, I, I still think, you know, is just playing fantastic right now and, and playing, still some of the best ball of his career, even if, you know, statistically he didn't really jump off the page in this game. I thought the impact was definitely there, uh, which I, I thought the plus minus was pretty uh, illustrative of that in this game. So yeah, I'm with you. I, I loved Mitch's game and, you know, I was, I was disappointed to see that he was not given more time in this one. Um, I guess the last guy that I'll shout out would be uh, Obi Topping. You know, I thought that he had, he didn't shoot the best, but I thought that he brought good energy in this game. And I thought that he really filled his minutes well and like held down the fort when Randall wasn't in. And obviously Randall was having a fantastic game, but uh, I liked what Obi did in the 12 minutes that he was given. Uh, five boards in 12 minutes is not half bad. Four points too. Uh, I just, I really enjoyed what we saw at him. Not that it was anything out of the ordinary for what he brings, you know, when he's playing well, but it's it's been good to see him really seem like he has his his mojo back. Uh, but Gavin, do you have anything else to add before we sign off on this episode today? 
No, that's that, that's it on my end. Um, so we'll we'll wrap it up right here. Uh, trade deadline is on Thursday. We will certainly have at least one more episode with trade specific coverage for you guys. Also, busy week of games. Uh, I believe Tuesday and Thursday the Knicks play. Uh, so we'll have that Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Um, Monday, Tuesday. Jesus, wow, I'm, I'm behind. Big week, right, baby. Yeah, a loaded week of Knicks basketball. So we hope uh, you're more on top of it than I am, and and uh, ready to enjoy some more fantastic Knicks coverage. But until next time, he's Alex. I'm Gavin. Peace out.